Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today, Eco Radio KC is bringing you a very interesting program. Host Richard Mabian and his co-host Rich Katowski speaks with Maureen Mahoney, a lifelong resident of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas. A lawyer by training, she is a former prosecutor and spent the majority of her legal career working in child welfare, both as in House counsel for a large nonprofit working with children and families, and later as a guardian ad litem for children in foster care. Maureen spent nine years in local government working as a chief of staff for two mayors in the unified government of Wyandotte County and Kansas City, Kansas. She has started her own consulting company, Mahoney KC, working with new technology startups, nonprofits and companies looking for help with strategies and possible state and federal funding. We at Eco Radio KC are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, okay, go right Okay, in. we good, we okay. good. All right, tell me when to get started. It's time now. It's, it's now. Good evening, everyone. This is Richard Mabian. Uh, you know how it is when you deal with tech, the, the technology world. There's always going to be a little flag every now and then. I got a good show for you. I don't want to waste a lot of time. Uh, it's been a minute or two uh, since I've been on here talking. Uh, before I go any further, let me say a happy Juneteenth. Uh, now that it's an official holiday, I think that um, uh, it's something that that deserves this recognition, and and hopefully the show that we're having uh, today will be a step in that direction. You know, I'm one of those persons that doesn't necessarily see uh, the the celebration as being the epitome of what the day represents, and I like to see that. We're taking steps to move forward uh, and still working to seek that freedom that people like me have always wanted and desired. So thank you for tuning in on this day. I hope you've enjoyed your day off and that uh, there will be some positive things that occur in your life going into this next going into this next year. OK, now for the show, you know, before I get started, I want to mention a lot of the things that's going on in the nation. I like to do that on my shows the 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 weather is crazy people are crazy 
You know, we're really living in what I consider to be some very difficult times. So that's why it it makes what we're doing such a value, because what we're trying to attempt to do is to reestablish hope in our low-income communities as far as life and survival is concerned. So bear with us as we continue on with these sessions that we've been having for the last year. And, and, And we're looking forward to being able to see some type of sign in in in, in life of, of a change is on the way. Uh, the two people I have on the phone with me tonight are what I like to consider my 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 associates, my partners as far as thinking is concerned. And 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 they are very much um, uh, close to, to me as far as what I've been doing in my life. Uh, you know, I got Rick on here. I'll start with him and he's out there on the road somewhere. So Rick, uh, say hello to folks, will you? Uh, hello everybody. As always, Richard, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on the show. Look forward to engaging in the conversation tonight. I think you're right. Uh, we're at a point in our country where we need hope. And I think what we're talking about tonight is, is the change that's coming after this chaos is resolved. That's right. I agree 100%. That's why it was good to mention that. Now, my next guest is one, of, I like to say she's my oldest friend, but you know, you're not supposed to put age on women, so I won't say they like that. She's not old from that standpoint. Uh, she's been my uh, my my heartbeat uh, in, in, in the things that I've done in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, it's, uh, her name is Maureen Mahoney. She was the the chief of staff for the last two mayors, not the one that's a mayor in Kansas City, Kansas now, but the two mayors before him. And that's when I got a chance to meet her and associate with her and, and become a friend of hers. Maureen, you want to say hello to everybody, please? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is Maureen Mahoney, and I'm delighted to be here tonight and join these two gentlemen in this conversation. It's such an important time. I agree with Rich. This uh, is a moment in time that we don't always get, and we need to take the opportunity when it presents itself. And I think it's here. All right. Okay, Jay, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time. I'm going to jump in here. Now, this part is just the introduction part, and, and this first part, and then we have a break coming up. But uh, I kind of want Maureen and, and Rich to, to kind of just say briefly, you know, kind of what they are into. What are you doing? First of all, let me, let me break throw this out to put everybody on the same page. April the 8th and 9th of 2022, we held a meeting here in Kansas City metropolitan area out at the Marriott Hotel. Rick, who is my guy, set up this meeting with some folks that flew in town, and we spent those two days on the weekend of Friday and Saturday together talking about this project, this four-city project that we have in mind that we want to do. I invited Maureen because of her past role as as, as politically and also business-wise. Uh, you can't be a chief of staff for a mayor and not have relationships. So that's how 
we started this conversation with each other. So since then, we realized this was going to be the almost a summary from the last year. We thought this show would be a good show for us to kind of just give everybody a, 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 a update on what we have been encountering. So, Maureen, if you want to start, what have you kind of been doing in the last year? Uh, well, are you asking in terms of this particular project or what else I'm doing? I think the whole thing, because I think that feeds into who you are, what you're doing. Uh, 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 that's why you're here, basically. OK. OK. Well, uh, like these two gentlemen already here, uh, I, uh, I'm a lawyer by training, so I spent my legal time. Uh, I was a prosecutor briefly and did other things, but my legal profession, I spent working in child welfare. So. Working with children and families, I have spent my life trying to make our community better, which is one reason why I switched gears and took that job as chief of staff to work in our local government to help my local community. Uh, so uh, as Richard said, uh, a year ago, January, uh, Mayor Garner came in as the new mayor. So I stepped out and I've now started my own consulting firm called Mahoney KC. And I'm doing a wide variety of things. I'm helping some nonprofits uh, who are looking for uh, funding. There's, there's lots of federal and state and some local funding sometimes. And if you don't, if you are not kind of in the right circles in our community, I found people don't know where to go to get the money. So that's one thing I've been doing. I've been working with some new technologies that are also trying to uh, start their technology business, uh, focusing on improvements in health. There's one group that's figuring out a better way to treat wound care. There are different technologies for social uh, solar panels. There are uh, just a whole myriad of things in terms of sustainability that I've been working with. And then I've been working with an, another group that's been working in Boston to eliminate gun violence. And they want to come to Kansas City and bring that same program here. So I am all in with that. I'm also doing some work with our local mental health center to help them find affordable housing. One of the issues is folks that are on the street that are actually already their clients, they don't have a place to go. So we've been able to find some folks that have bought houses and are renovating them in KCK and partnering with the mental health centers so that these folks can have a place to stay and they're not out on the street. So uh, those are all the things that I've been doing besides my interest in what, uh, in what Richard and Rich are doing. Oh, I tell you, I know you're a busy person, and that's just a, a, that was a, the reason that I wanted to be able to work with you as much as I could, because you're involved in areas that can't help but be a benefit to what we're trying to accomplish. Okay, Rich. Uh, yeah, thanks, Richard. Maureen, yeah, that's great. It gives you an idea of how diverse Maureen's skill set and how she's really using her relationships to bridge the gap between communities and, and bring um, resources and knowledge and energy to, to fix some of these issues. But uh, I always want to step back on this program, Richard, because this is a, an eco radio environmental program. And, you know, we're talking about primarily 
you know, returning ownership of real and productive assets, you know, from uh, absentee owners on Wall Street and the financial capitals, returning local ownership, you know, into the, the, the local generative economy. And um, most people don't connect that to, to an environmental issue. But if we have any realistic expectations of meeting the 2030-2050 environmental goals, there's absolutely no way that we can do it in a global economy. So the powers that be are realizing that. They're also realizing that with the tensions in Ukraine and Russia and with China and Taiwan, you know, we need to return manufacturing back to the United States. So there's an unprecedented opportunity right now between the green initiatives and the return of manufacturing to the United States that we need generations of a skilled and motivated work, workforce and also two generations of creative problem solvers, innovators, and entrepreneurs. So what we really think we have is a method and a platform um, bring some of those centralized resources back and decentralize them in the local community. That's, you know, just listening to you two just thrilled me to death. And I hope the folks that are out there listening in the audience also uh, have a chance to see the depth of knowledge that exists in our in, in our collaborative group. Uh, I am the the person of color low-income portion of the population, uh, I'll call myself an expert. They call me the unofficial green czar because that's what got me into um, this this line of work, uh, not necessarily at, from an environmental standpoint as much as it is from the job creation standpoint. There's a there's an area within the, the, the sphere of the environmental movement that it has job training. And I discovered that when through David Corton, when I first got involved with this back in 2007, and I became determined to figure out a way to bring that element into our city so that we can take some type of empowerment and place it in our low income community so that people can stop being served and start serving themselves. And that's basically what this, my part of this is it's about. In the process of doing it, in the time, for, but Maureen was already engaged with me, so she knew what was going on. And then God brought Rick. He don't like me to call him my capitalist, but that's what I did. That's what I do. And he brought a different element into uh, uh, my life and into this low-income work. So we think in terms, you can't build, empower people financially if you don't have some kind of financial uh, background and knowledge. And he brings that to the table. That's why when he talks about what we're trying to do, if that's what he's trying to accomplish. So when you put us together, we have now become a team. But we've been so busy, you based on what you heard, heard Maureen saying she's been doing, and then based on what Rick, he didn't even get started in what he's been doing. But what he talked about, you can see the depths of what he goes to. This is the first time the three of us have been on a call. Now, Rick and I have been having these calls for the last year. We've, we've had various members of the industry on here to talk to them, to get their ideas and suggestions of how we could put together a plan to create a four city 
project, uh, which would be Patterson, New Jersey, Kansas City, Kansas, Tacoma, Washington, and Birmingham, Alabama. When we come back on, we get ready to take a break. And when I come back on, we're going to pick up from there and kind of let each one of them explain how they could fit into what we're trying to do. Thank you for tuning in. This is KKFI 90.1 on your radio dial. KKFI is hiring. We are now accepting applications for a bookkeeper office administrator position at KKFI's offices at 39th and Main in Midtown, Kansas City. This is a full-time 32 hours per week position that is responsible for supporting the administrative and financial needs of our growing organization. For more details, including required skills and how to apply, please go online to kkfi.org forward slash jobs. It's time now for your good news for a good planet, a recycling revolution. With over 11 million visitors a year, tourism is big business for Sevier County, Tennessee, famously home to Dollywood and the Smoky Mountains National Park. But one thing you won't see at these locations is recycling bins, but not because they don't recycle. Sevier County actually diverts 70% of their waste from landfills with a special solid waste composting plant, and it's one of only 12 in the world. About 100,000 tons of trash and sewage pass through the plant every year, mostly generated by tourism. The majority of this is mixed with biosolids and rotated in drums for three days, where aerobic processes break it down. Large chunks of plastic and metal are sifted out and sent to the landfill, while the remainder is laid out in long piles and turned for several weeks before being sifted a final time. The result is grade A compost, and it is free to local farmers and residents, turning mountains of trash into mountains of gold, more than 70,000 tons of it a year. Sevier County is the most efficient composting site in the United States, keeping the Smoky Mountains and Dollywood beautiful while setting a beautiful example for the rest of us. And this is Mandy from goodnewsgoodplanet.com. Good news, good planet, good news. All right, this is Richard. I'm back. Uh, that was a good uh, get get uh, little speech on theme there about the compost and stuff. That's always something good to know about. Okay, where are we? What what are we uh, planning on doing, Rick? I'm Rich. I'm gonna come to you uh, because I, I always uh, have a tendency to leave out the aspect about the employee on uh, the B corporation and those kind of things that you have as a uh, as a guiding uh, uh, mechanism in, in our planning. So if you would kind of uh, speak to what you're seeing as, as a, your role in this, can you do that? Uh, sure. So, so if we, if we want to learn from our past, right. In six, 1964, I think it was, they, they traded the war. On- yes. We lost and when you. you look back. Sorry, can you hear me now? If we can hear you. Go. Okay, sorry about that. So if you look back in 1964, the war on poverty was intended to eliminate poverty. And when we look back on the last 50 or 60 years, you know, we had some success, but not the success everyone expected. 
Part of the reason was that the money came in and went to companies that were owned by people in Johnson County instead of people in Wyandotte County. And of course, you know, the people that designed the plan said, well, you know, there weren't people in Wyandotte County that had the experience and the talent to uh, do the work that we were funding. So what we're saying is let's learn from that. We're at a place 50 or 60 years from now where, you know, billions and perhaps trillions of dollars are going to come back at our inner cities. Instead of letting that money go out to the suburbs, let's create partnerships between people in the suburbs that have the technical expertise. Let's partner them with people in the city that have the desire and the raw skills. And let's make sure that that money comes in to the city in a way that uh, we foster um, local ownership, uh, meaningful ownership of the businesses that really profit from these huge government and corporate um, investments. And we often talk about workforce development, which points the finger at people. But we rarely talk about workplace development. And that will third employers. We try to control employers with you know, laws and regulations. It doesn't work. What we need to do is develop a, a workplace that is focused entirely on workforce development and entrepreneurial development and prove in the marketplace that that model um, is successful and more profitable so that business owners choose to be better employers um, because they have to do that to survive in the marketplace rather than using regulation and law and a big stick and protests and all these things to try to get them to behave better. So I don't know if that makes sense, Richard, but that's kind of where we're coming from. Right. And these are, these are not my ideas. These are ideas that have come up through um, Harvard and Stanford and, and some of the smartest academics in the, in, the, in the country, including David Corton and Marjorie Kelly, but they've been refined by practitioners in, you know, Patterson and Kansas City and Birmingham and Tacoma. So we think there's a coming together of many different voices to, to create like a new institution that will learn from the past and not repeat it. If we can just slow down and do it right this time, I think we could, we could really move the needle on, on some of the nagging social issues, income inequality, quality, education inequality, uh, wealth inequality in a positive way, not yes. in a negative way. That people yes, can I, freely choose it. People can freely choose it or not. No, I like that a lot. I think it sets the tempo for what we're trying to do. Uh, Maureen, I'm going to jump in here in the middle on where my particular uh, uh, part of this fits in and it has to go with that, that lower part of the uh, population. You know, I, uh, I use a scale from one to 10 and, uh, and I say that you will find generally people who can be reached and are being reached by the money that's being spent in various social service programs are people who would be somewhere between five and 10. And I always say the five and six numbers are the people who have a foot on both sides of the line. They can be good. It can be bad. So what, the people who are responsible for 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 moving them forward, spend their time trying to do is to get them to seven and eight. That would be the objective in life. And and, and what happens is you put them in a in, 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 in a 
frame of mind of positivity and and again we talked about creating the hope back in people that group exists but there's a group out here that's not part of that number and that's the one that's from zero to four that group is the one that we're losing daily that group is the one that needs to be reached. And that's what my work is focused in on. I haven't had very much success in finding organizations that would get involved with me to work with it. But I took the time to be develop relationships with uh, key people within the community that could be available and, uh, and heard this story, heard this story that Rick is talking about. Uh, when he's been in Kansas City, I've taken him up on Quindaro. And he's had face-to-face -face meeting with various people that has talked about exactly what he was talking about as far as what can be created and what can be created from within. And so we have that message that's coming out. And then you have the work that I've done, having the people there that are hearing this message. And so that gives us our, our direction, basically what we're trying to accomplish. And if you've heard any of my shows that I've had, you know, we've had the job training people on here. Uh, we've had the, 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 Na the National Cap Agency people on here. We've had uh, the, 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 I'm a NEJAC member, National uh, Environmental Justice Advisory Council member for the, for Region 7. I just got selected to that in September. And, and uh, the other NEJAC member that's uh, from the Region 7 is in St. Louis. She, we've had her on here. She's ahead of us, really, as far as her work is concerned. They're already in St. Louis buying up the land bank properties and doing the work that needs to be done and creating jobs for people and blah, 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 blah. So she's a plus, she's a plus for us as far as uh, where we're trying to go. And, and so then, and then, then when you come back in my area, I'm focusing in on the every home and building in America needs to be retrofitted. And when you look into our inner cities, I don't know if you've had how many you've had a chance to ride around in the inner cities. I don't care if it's Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. If you over there around Indiana, uh, uh, Benton Boulevard, uh, the, the, the 3,500 block just to put us in a neighborhood. I mean, you got these old homes. They, uh, they, they, they anywhere from just giving them a hustle from 85 to 100 years old. And those homes need to be retrofitted. The reason retrofitting makes them energy efficient so that we can cut the cost for utilities we attack utility companies and want them to give people breaks as far as not paying any bills and all that, blah, da, 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 da. And I'm saying we need to be able to put people to work so they can pay the bills. And this retrofitting work would do that. It would give them a, a decent salary that that would give them a place they could go to work. And I love to say they don't even need transportation. They, they live in the neighborhood. They could just get up and go across the street and go to work because we got that much work in our neighborhood. So that's what I'm pushing on my end. I have my message all the way to DC. Okay. And, and I've been there twice. So November and I was there in March, they have sent people here to, uh, 
get a chance to see was I real or Memorex because they just hadn't heard anyone talking in this manner. And so all of a sudden they wanted to come see if this was just some game because people play games out here, you know that. And they found out that I was being truthful and they spent some time with some local people. Uh, they got to meet people at, at, at EOF over on 10th and Quindaro and they blew their mind that that quality of leadership exists in our inner cities. What we're missing is them. What we're missing is having the financial backing that's needed to be able to go in and do what we need to do. So that's where my piece of the puzzle blends in with Rick's piece of the puzzle. Now we come into Maureen. Now, even though she has, she may not be able to do what I just did and what Rick just did, I'm going to give her a little lead in because I told you her value to us is her political and business relationships. And what we want to be able to do is to bring in private business, for-profit businesses to team up, go into joint partnerships. The CAP agency is Community Action Partnerships. And we want to be able to form a partnership between a community-based organization and a, uh, a, 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 a for-profit business that's available now. I've, I've talked too much, uh, Maureen, and when you see the tape, you'll go see that. He's the one to talk too much. But you got about four minutes. You got to watch You got to watch uh, Terry there. She'll let you know how much time we got just to kind of filter in on what I was saying. Well, I I haven't been on the earlier shows, of course. So have you already talked to the our audience about what this model looks like in each city and how this all fits in? Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. Have we, Rick? Rich? Yeah, I think we have in, in past episodes, but it's not bad yeah. to review. There could always be new people on, on the show. Right. Well, well, just just very quickly get where I then I can say where I think I can help. But uh, what Rich and his group have already started in Patterson are identifying um, they have families and that that people work with the families to help them find uh, find uh, work and a real support group. They have a group called Elevate that works with the kids that are in school and after school programs. Um, and so you have these two elements that I think a lot of cities have, but the thing I love about this model is what Rich and you have talked about, about finding a partner in private enterprise who can come in and give these families a living wage, better than a living wage. So you're now transforming that family, you're transforming them, you're Parents have a place to go to work. Children are learning to go to work. We're teaching everybody skills. So to me, um, that's the gift of what we want to do is to find the right partner to come into each of these communities. So we want to make sure that um, it's, it's something that's sustainable and that they are true partners, that they're going to make sure they hire the families and the children um, you alluded to it a little bit. Uh, we talk about looking for some sort of public benefit corporation so that some of the money that's earned 
can stay in the community and not uh, just go in and out. So that's where I hope I can help. That was perfect. I mean, it was like uh, it was God said, because that's exactly where we are. You admit it. This is just it. You're first coming in. Now, when we come back after this break, we're getting ready to take. We're going to talk about where we go for here. So think in terms of what you would like to see us do, uh, Rick and you, as we go from here. What what, what are you thinking? All right, gang, again, um, this is Richard Mabian. Uh, this is uh, Eco Radio, uh, KKFI 90.1 CM and at 90.1 one fm and thank you for dialing in thank you for listening to kkfi be sure to like and follow your community radio station on social media at kkfi 901 fm as we are now adding new content to our social media sites every day and thank you again for supporting this station since 1988 July 10 is the deadline for Jackson County homeowners to appeal reassessments. Some homeowners have seen their assessments double, reportedly forcing some to sell. Jackson County has an automated online appeal filing system. If you cannot find that, email Board of Equalization at jacksongov.org or call 816-881-3309. This message is a public service of KKVI. Here's a calendar for the week of June 19th. There are volunteer opportunities to consider this summer. After the harvest needs volunteers to rescue leftover fruits and vegetables from farms, orchards, and gardens. To learn more, go to aftertheharvestkc.org. Bridging the Gap hosts regular volunteers at its recycling centers and also at events. To learn more, go to bridgingthegap.org. Cultivate KC hosts Saturday workdays at Westport Commons Farm. To learn more, go to cultivatekc.org. Deep Roots has regular workdays at the Native Plant Demonstration Garden at the Anita B. Gorman Discovery Center. You can learn more at deeproots.org. Heartland Conservation Alliance offers monthly volunteer opportunities to remove trash and invasive bush honeysuckle from green spaces and streams. Learn more at heartlandconservationalliance.org. KC Farm School hosts weekly volunteer events on Wednesdays and Saturdays at the farm in Kansas City, Kansas. Learn more at kcfarmschool.org. KC Parks has volunteer opportunities. To learn more, go to kcparks.org. And Pal Gardens offers regular volunteer opportunities. To learn more, visit palgardens.org. Farmer's market season has started. Go to usdalocalfoodportal.com to find one near you. Get ready for the monarch butterflies. Citizen scientist opportunities are available at monarchwatch.org. Wednesday, June 21st at noon, Lunch and Learn, Making Kansas City a Cycling-Friendly Metro with Bike Walk KC founder Eric Rogers. The Linda Hall Library and the Kansas City Public Library will host this at the Kansas City Public Library Central Library Hellsburg Auditorium, 14 West 10th Street in Kansas City, Missouri. Wednesday, June 21st is the, is the Summer Solstice. 
Friday, June 23rd, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., Wonders of Discovery at the Pollinator Prairie, a family-friendly event at the Pollinator Prairie in Olathe in conjunction with National Pollinator Week. The Pollinator Prairie is 320 South Blake Street, Olathe, Kansas. To learn more and RSVP to the event, visit the event Facebook page. Saturday, June 24th, 9 to 11 a.m., Walk Around Kaufman Legacy Park is hosted by the Thomas Hart Benton Group of the Missouri Chapter of the Sierra Club at Kaufman Legacy Park, East 48th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. This is an easy two-mile hike around the park. You can expect to see a diversity of plants, birds, insects, and small mammals during the walk. Meet at the front entrance to the Anita Gorman Discovery Center to start the walk. Contact Eileen at 816-523-7823 for more info. Sign up on Meetup. Sunday, June 25th, 5 to 7 p.m., the Kansas Group of the Kansas Chapter of the Sierra Club is having a summer solstice potluck picnic. Meet at shelter number one in Meadowbrook Park, 9101 Knoll Avenue, Prairie Village, Kansas. Go to sierraclub.org forward slash Kansas to RSVP. Stay involved. Enjoy the summer. Check your local political events for environmental issues. My name is Terry. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC. These events can be found on the Eco Radio KC Facebook page. Okay, all right. This is Richard. I'm back again. Uh, this is our final session. Uh, <laughs> I'm, first of all, I want to thank uh, Terry for making it back. She had a knee surgery, and this is her first time being back since having a surgery. She looks good, uh, so I know that uh, God bless her, and uh, and she's getting around just like the, the her old self. Okay, so welcome back, Terry. We we missed you. Um, we got about 16 minutes here, gang. And 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 I, I again I wanna touch bases on, on what we're gonna try to do from here. And and um Maureen, I think I wanna start with you on on as an example with this guy that you and I are meeting with Thursday. Uh, you know, I uh you know me, I always get my little cheat sheets on anything that I'm planning on doing and i noticed that i had earmarked the statement here he made that there is so much potential all around us we aim to serve as both stewards and catalysts of that potential as stewards we nurture and enhance vital community assets as catalysts we cultivate and advance the breakthrough ideas that will shape our collective future Tell us a little bit about it. First of all, let me hear you pronounce his last name so I won't make an idiot out of myself Thursday. What is it? How does, what is his name? His name is Mark Culliton. C-U-L-I-T-O-N. Culliton. Yes. Okay. And he and a lady named Michelle Caldera are the uh, co-founders of a group called Uncornered. And they started in Boston and they worked for a long time. Uh, they've been part of a nonprofit that did mentoring after school. It makes me think a lot of what Rick, what Rich was watching in Patterson. So they, uh, they were, uh, they had such high numbers of people getting killed from gun violence in Boston. So they tried mentoring, they tried after school programs, they worked with the police, they 
tried to uh, work with different social service agencies and nonprofits that were would try to identify kids, probably what you would call Richard, the the ones in your scale from five to ten. Right. You could pick off, right? So you could pick off kids before they joined the, the gangs, but the numbers were not going down. I mean, it's it's the same as what we're seeing here in the metro. Uh, so they uh, decided that they would find people that they call them leads, and they're people who are connected in the community, who know, just as you've, I've heard you describe uh, our friend Rita at EOF, it's people who know what's really happening in the neighborhoods, and they know who's doing it and who's not doing it. So the idea that they call it that is these guys that they call them, the guys on the corner. So they are, they are running the gangs. And in every urban area across the country, one to 2% are responsible for 75% of the gun violence in a city. So you think one to 2%, if you can get to those guys, then you can really make a change because while they're, they're causing all the problems, I don't have to tell you that everyone living around there is traumatized. They're afraid to send their kids outside, afraid to go to work, afraid to go to school. So it's affecting everybody. And what I see, at least in Kansas City, which I'm so grateful that the uncornered folks want to try to come here. You know, I'll tell you, in five years in Boston, uh, they are at their lowest number of gun violence uh, activity in 20 years. And they're a third bigger than KCMO. And that last year, the entire year, they had 41 gun victims. Now, 41 is too many. We right. want to get to zero. But we don't have, yeah, I don't have to tell you to look at our numbers in Kansas City. Uh, we're 200 plus and it's growing, right? So, uh, so it's just a, 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 the idea is that they reach out to these guys whom, who are out there, the bad actors, and they have people that, tr that trust them and they go to them and say, look, there is a different way to do this and we're going to help you out. And most of them are guys that live through it. You know, you and I know that right. some guys are coming back out of prison or if you reach by the age of the 30, you think, I don't want this life anymore, so I'm getting out of it. But those are the guys that we're looking for in Kansas City. So you found them in KCMO or looking for them in KCK and hope you can help us do that. But yeah, that 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 yeah. is that is exactly what I saw you as being an asset for being able to bring those kinds of persons. I mean, it, does he still they still live in Boston? Uh-huh. They so just come coming back here. Because as Mark says, I they're not going to talk to me. I'm yeah. going to invite folks to go talk to them and make that happen. Well, I'll look forward to uh, meeting and talking with him. This I was in Boston there a couple of times. I've been there a couple of times, and uh, it's always been an experience. So I look forward to doing it. Uh, I think that it fits right into what we were what we're looking at doing. It said, like you said, it could be that five to ten group, and that's fine because we need to be able to provide them with some type of a uh, 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 hope also, because those are the ones that can get caught up in things that really they wasn't intended on doing the the real criminals will take them out uh uh rich coming to you buddy yeah no i think that's a great segue a great lead into to read it and the, and the rethinking of what a cap agency should be right. so now imagine for a minute 
that Maureen has a hundred programs like this that would potentially or could potentially benefit Kansas City. Those informal leaders in the community that really know what's going on, a lot of them work full-time, and a lot of them have family responsibilities and caregiving responsibilities. And my experience in Patterson is that those mamas and aunties and uncles and, and um, you know, those people in the neighborhood that you know know what's going on and know who's real and who's Memorex. We show our age, Richard, when you say that. Yeah, who's not the real. Um, <laughs> they just don't have time for meetings. You know, so when the Department of Energy or the police department or when they call meetings, you're getting a, a certain person that can come to a meeting, but you aren't necessarily getting the informal neighborhood leaders to those meetings. They just don't have the time or the margin or the capacity or the money to come. So I think rethinking Rita's role as the executive director of the CAP agency is instead of her primary responsibility, you know, um, running programs and doling out money and connecting people to resources, her role has to be redefined as one that's going out and building the relationships. And I think she offered that there are 50 neighborhood organizations in the Kansas City side of Kansas City. Those are all people that have a pulse of what's going on in their neighborhood and no one's organizing them. So yeah. in Kansas City, you know, Rita would be the natural person in um, – Patterson, there's a couple of different agencies. One of them is called New Destiny Family Success Center, and the other one is our United Way, which is really involved in the community. Out in Tacoma, there's a big nonprofit that's trying to do that type of work. And in Birmingham, it's a historically black college that's partnering with a, um, a philanthropic group from the suburbs that are trying to connect in meaningful ways. And we think funding that relationship building with the community organizers they don't have necessarily have their own 501c3, but they are community advocates. So, so that organizing that group could be the, the missing link or one of the missing links in the war on poverty and, and bringing efficiency to the system that's very inefficient right now. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm glad you, you again, good segue, because it goes into my concern from working in the inner city the siloed, un unintentional, but siloed relationships that exist between our social service agencies. They have been unintentionally put into a competitive mode for funding, so they don't talk to each other. And, and the losers behind them not talking to each other are the people who they're serving. So they're receiving a multitude of messages from all these siloed social service agencies. We need to have some type of coordinated place, a hub. I mean, the federal government through EPA saw a need to create hubs and they did this tic-tac deal. Then they found these universities at various places throughout the country and made them a hub to start working on how money should be distributed and stuff. And I'm saying if they got enough sense to understand that type of a process, then we need to in our inner city start understanding we need to get some kind of co coordinated effort 
because that's what's going to cause us to have empowerment and strength. And then people be willing to want to work with you more, just like this guy coming in from Boston. Now, while you were talking, uh, Rick, I thought about when you was talking about Rita, I was sitting there saying this might be one of them deals where he may want to partner with EOF and be in a position to find the caliber of people he's looking for because they're going to know where they are. They know them. And the people that they know trust them. I mean, they, they, you know, like he said, he can't go in the neighborhoods to talk to them. And, you know, they still trying to figure out, again, showing my age, if I'm real or memory in the neighborhoods. Too. They think I might be a cop hiding undercover or something because they know I'm not normal. So they're trying to figure it out. That's why I have to have my intermediaries. So I'm saying this could be a great way way to be able to use that as a prototype for our other cities of being able to use that type of organization you talked about i know you talk about a united way up there in uh, uh patterson again that could be a great organization to start looking at from those perspectives and, and each one of those cities you named off that kind of a person well we may be able to establish that here in Kansas City, Kansas, that end up being a prototype for these other cities. We have to do that, people. I'm telling you, if we're going to get on top of this, we got to do that. Go ahead, Rich. Oh, uh, well, no, I was just putting myself on mute because there was some noise in my background. But, um, but no, I, I just so, but Richard, you know, um, as a businessman, I would not go to Rita if she was my employee and say, hey, Rita, I got this guy coming in from Boston. I want to help you, have you help him get get his program off the ground. She, Rita doesn't have an extra minute in her day for one more thing. Right. So if we're going to get Rita to be able to embrace this great project and actually spend more of her day out just building relationships, doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner with community people, uh, community leaders, neighborhood leaders, she needs money. And she needs more staff and she needs support and she needs to be managed in a different way where we're not saying, you know, what have you done for me lately? We have to revalue and prioritize establishing and maintaining those relationships with neighborhood leaders. I'm not sure if a government or a grant can do it, but there is a successful model in Bridgeton, New Jersey. It's called the, the Whole Family Approach, United Family Advocates it's at the Pascal Sykes Foundation where they've actually um, used private money to invest in the Rita to help her organize those people. They actually get paid uh, instead of it being a volunteer position, and they, they have professional development. So Candy and, and her friends would be getting paid for the work that they do professionally, and, and, and they would be organized. They would have a um, training, regular training and curriculum. Every month they would meet for professional skills development, and they would also have self-care. These neighborhood leaders often expend themselves for no money caring for people who are in need, and they forget to take care of themselves. Right. And, you know, those are mostly women, but there's a lot of men that are doing it too. But they, they are the, the, the sinew that's held our communities together while, you know, businesses and government and, and, and other people even the institutional nonprofits have sort of taken them for granted. They have been the people holding our communities together. They need to be recognized and they need to be paid. And as a private businessman, 
I think we could organize them in a way that private business could make them sustainable, which would separate them from the political division of, you know, red or blue or purple or green or whatever, you know, where their, where their funding is politicized. Right. We think we can run it as a sustainable business that will separate it from politics and, and allow some of that consistency to, to, to exist where that fellow who did the green zone wouldn't be out of a job two years after he did a great job. That's right. I agree 100%. I, I know we down to a couple of minutes here left, and so I want both of you to be able to have a final word before we get out of here. So, Maureen, I'll come with you first just to have you saying goodbye to us, and thank you for being uh, on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm so grateful to be here. I mean, so many things that you've talked about touch my heart. You and I both know there are tons of people in our community and all over the country that um, – they have enough money for the debt to pay for the mortgage of the house, but they don't have enough money to pay the mortgage and the utility bills. So if we go in and retrofit these houses, we will find a way to allow these families to live in a house instead of being out where or paying a rent and not getting any return. And I agree, I agree. completely with, with Rich. Uh, that's one thing about Uncornered. They actually hire these gentlemen who become the leads to go out and into the community and they pay them, pay them money with benefits. And uh, that is the only way that you can ask people to do this kind of work. Makes sense to me. Appreciate you. Love you, girl. You know, I appreciate you. and I won't make a move without you. I don't <laughs> even care if you are trying to retire. I'm there. You know, you just have to put up with me. Uh, Rich, come on, buddy. Hey, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get down and dirty and real with you, Richard, for a minute. If we've only got a minute, yeah. how much do you spend on your utilities every month for your house? Five hundred and fifty dollars an average. Of course, that's a lot of other okay. things built into it, but that's what it runs. Okay, so how much money do you think it would take you to to retrofit your house to bring that utility bill down? Oh wow. Yeah, it would it would it would cost a few dollars. Now let's 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 put it up at um, three thousand, five thousand, yeah, around. I was gonna I was gonna say around between five and seven thousand. You know, because we got pipes underground. Then these old houses that need to be replaced, and that's where your expense comes in because they got to dig down in there and get those tree roots and all that kind of stuff out. But uh, I would okay. say average. Well, what would you? And how, how low would your utility bill go down? How, oh. What would it go down to? Oh, oh. 500 I mean, to what? Oh, you talking maybe 100 a month? Yeah. So you'd say $400 a yes. month. Yes. That's, that's $4,800 a year. Right. So if someone was willing to finance you $5,000 to retrofit your house, you would pay that expense off in one year, and then you would save $4,800 a year for the next 20 years in your house. 20 years. That's it. Right. So what I'm suggesting is Rita Wilson should be our joint venture partner in that retrofitting company, which clearly has viability. We just need a forward, out-of-the-box thinking financier to help us with the money. Thank All you, right, Rich, I got a finger going go. across the throat, which tells me it's time for us time to, to go. go. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Maureen. Thank, Thank you, you, Terry. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Take care.
Yes. KKFI is hiring. We are now accepting applications for a bookkeeper, office, and administrator position at KKFI's offices at 39th and Main in Midtown Kansas City. This is a full-time, 32 hours per week position that is responsible for supporting the administrative and financial needs of our growing organization. For more details, including required skills and how to apply, please go online to kkfi.org forward slash jobs. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here is some environmental news for the week of June 19, 2023. Democracy Now! reports Mexico's Pacific coast has had hundreds of wild birds wash up along the shore, which died as a result of abnormally warm ocean waters resulting from the climate crisis and a warming trend known as El Nino. Tens of thousands of dead fish have washed ashore across multiple beaches along the Texas Gulf Coast after they were starved of oxygen due to abnormally warm ocean temperatures. In 2019, the UN warned the climate crisis will lead to massive die-offs of marine life as warm water holds far less oxygen than cold water. More than 430 wildfires continue to burn across Canada with thousands of people under evacuation orders. The blazes will likely last all summer with more air quality alerts likely across the northern U.S. and Canada as thick dark smoke from Canada as fires blanket New York City, people were seen at hospitals due to symptoms of asthma. President Joe Biden has vetoed legislation that would have rolled back a new rule limiting emissions from heavy-duty vehicles. The White House says that the rule change will cut nitrogen oxide emissions in half by 2045, preventing thousands of childhood asthma cases and premature deaths every year. Climate activists in Germany held protests in Bonn, Switzerland, where they gathered for the COP28 preparatory conference. Cornell West has switched party affiliation and is now running to be the Green Party's 2024 presidential nominee. The author, civil rights activist, and professor of philosophy announced earlier this month he would run as a candidate with the People's Party. In Montana, a landmark climate trial led by 16 children and young adults has begun. The lawsuit was filed in 2020 by plaintiffs between the age of 5 and 22. They accused the state of Montana of violating their constitutional right as it pushed pro-fossil fuel policies that devastated the environment and severely impact their health. Earlier this month, a judge cleared the way for a children's climate case against the United States government to begin in a federal court in Oregon after Supreme Court Justice John Roberts blocked the lawsuit in 2018. Lever Weekly reports. Debt ceiling deals permitting reform measures, which will help speed up approval of energy and pipeline projects, should be a boon for the fossil fuel industry. The debt ceiling deal specifically fast tracks the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which could transport frack gas across hazardous Appalachian mountain terrain, including through more than 200 miles with high landslide susceptibility. The legislation attempts to block Block judicial review permits issued for pipeline project, potentially threatening ongoing court cases over it. Senator Joe Manchin 
who has pushed lawmakers to approve these measures for much of the past year, was one of the top beneficiaries of campaign cash last election cycle from executives at Next Era Energy, the electric utility company spearheading the Mountain Valley Pipeline Project. Kansas Reflector reports. The U.S. Army has finished phase two of its three-phase remediation work at the former Sunflower Army Ammunition Plant. The 9,065-acre site has been the focus of effort to clean up soil and water contamination that had accumulated over the 50-year life of the facility, which had been used to make explosive material. Japanese company Panasonic is constructing a massive electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant at this location. Cleanup of the site predates Panasonic's plans and has been ongoing since 2015. The Army, in collaboration with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the U.S. Army Environmental Command, and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment, has been working to remove pollutants from the soil and return the site to usability. Restoration process have involved digging up sewer lines removing concrete, burning contaminated material, and shipping toxic waste out of the state. Soil remediation is on track to be completed by 2028. Restoration work has focused primarily on soil and the public at the meeting expressed concern about conditions of groundwater at the site. The Army said that the groundwater at Sunflower Ammunition is not usable for drinking or irrigation purposes. The contents of the groundwater likely contains the same contaminants found in soil remediation. He said soil decontamination was a primary focus and that water remediation would follow and hopefully be complete in 2028 after a stream study. The Army plans to recruit a restoration advisory board manned by interested citizens. Interested community members can email the Army Environmental Command at the address available on EcoRadio Casey's Facebook page. Kansas's largest electric utility, Effergy, has drastically scaled back its plan to add more clean energy over the next decade and will keep open its oldest coal plant for years long. Two years ago, Effergy announced a plan to retire to Lawrence Energy Center by the end of this year and to add 700 megawatts of solar power by the end of 2024. Now, it doesn't plan to add any solar power until 2026 and will keep the Lawrence Coal Plant open until 2028. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilkie, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. 
You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Major, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh. 